Okay, uh, I hope everyone's hearing me. I just uh, lost there for a moment. First, I want to thank everyone so much for participating. Uh, we've uh, learned so many different, we've learned uh, a number of different uh, obligations and prohibitions that are included uh, in this midst of loving one, one's neighbor like oneself. And there are a number of fields that we haven't spoken about that we, please God, hope to speak about in the future, like visiting the sick, receiving guests, helping people, uh, helping a person get married, uh, other very important, uh, very important uh, uh, burial, comforting mourners. There are other very each detailed mitzvahs that are very, very important to speak about. But tonight, because this is our last class, and particularly because it's the night before Tisha B'Av, before the ninth of Av, and clearly one of our primary impetuses in having this class now was to prepare ourselves for Tisha B'Av, I want to speak about what it means uh, to love another human being, the value of loving another human being. Clearly, God commanded us, but to understand it in a very fundamental fashion. And there are two points that I want to speak about in this uh, closing class just before, thank you, just before Tisha B'Av. One of those is this. Some years ago, I was uh, speaking to, uh, listening to a, uh, a very intelligent person here in Eretz Israel, and they said something that struck me, and I believe is very true. They said, you know, usually when you think of the absence of love, you think of hatred. But they said, you know, what happens when there's no love? What really happens is that fear comes about. No love, not hatred. No love, fear. And you'll see that if you look into the world around us, that so many problems, so many difficulties, and so much destruction doesn't always happen from big people or uh, very powerful people. Often it comes from very small things, but when people are afraid and people are, are unsure, so many times people do things that are damaging one to another. And you have to realize that when you give love to another person, that empowers them and allows them to bring out their very best. There's a story about the Hassam Sofer. The Hassam Sofer is one of our, one of our great, one of our heroes, uh, really in 1800, and uh, certainly one of my personal heroes. And one night, the Hassam Sofer came to the basement to the house of study, and really I guess it was very quiet, and he heard someone crying. And he looked and he saw that someone had the holy ark, the Aaron Kodesh, open, and there was someone standing in front of the ark and crying bitterly, crying, Hashem, I learn every day. I don't understand my learning. Please, I'm begging you, please help me to understand what I learn. The Hassam Sofer saw it was one of his students crying out to God, begging him, please help me to understand. And the next day, the next day when he came to the class, and the Hassam Sofer was teaching his class, and who can imagine, imagine a lecture of the Hassam Sofer, how uh, detailed and complicated and deep and precise. And all of a sudden, as he's explaining uh, some deep point, all of a sudden he turns to this fellow, to this man that he had heard crying the night before, that he'd seen crying the night before, and he looked at him and he said, ah, he said, thank God, he said, thank God somebody in this class, somebody in this room knows what I'm talking about. Look, I can see in your face. You, you know what I'm talking about. And every day we do that, ah, oh, I can see in your face. You know what I'm talking about. And that encouragement, that cherishing of, the cherishing of this student turned him into one of the greats, one of the greats, one of our greats of modern halacha. We know in general, and, and, the, and the rabbis tell us that, you know, sometimes if you see a student is not doing well, you have to check out and see. Perhaps you're not giving him savor upon him, love with the others. Maybe you're not showing him a pleasant countenance. When you give love to another human being, 
well-being. You give them encouragement. You give them, you give them recognition. And that brings out the best. Instead of there being fear, people are afraid to try. People are afraid to do the right thing. I want to tell you something. And, uh, I mentioned it a few days ago. You'll see that in every creative situation, people always make, people always make mistakes. It's inevitable. You're going to say something really silly in the heat of the argument, in the heat of, in the, heat of the discussion, and creatively, you know, well, therefore, two and two is five. Oh, no, it's not. It's impossible. That always happens. But if you don't have the permission to do it, if you don't have the freedom, if you don't have the comfort to do it, you're not going to be able to think. And all the most beautiful things are not going to take place. When we give love to one another, we encourage each other. We allow people's creativity to come about. We make a beautiful, beautiful world. You'll see so many times when people are hurtful and damaging. Often they don't mean it. Often they don't. But they're so scared. They're so afraid of being wrong that they end up doing worse and they're doing more damage. We don't realize what, 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 we don't realize what a wonderful world we bring about when we show love to another person. Now, there's a chazal that in my younger times I spoke about all the time. And today I want to share it with you because it's so, so important. Everybody knows, everybody knows that the, uh, that the, um, everybody knows that there's, that there's a mitzvah, besides the mitzvah of loving a person, there's a mitzvah, uh, there's a mitzvah of loving God. And the Mishnah in Brachas tells us an incredible thing. And that is that in the same, from this mitzvah of loving God, it tells us, a person is obligated to bless, give a blessing to God for, for hard things, for bad things. Hashem should protect us. The same way that a person blesses God for good things. How do we know that we give a blessing for bad things in the same, with the same acceptance, with the same love with the, that we do for good things? Because the verse says, You have to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all your, of all, with all your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. What does it mean, with all your heart? Because it's really like in the plural. You have to love God with both of your inclinations, with your good inclination and with your evil inclination. What does it mean to love God with all of your soul? Even though we know, even sometimes God may ask a person, even if God takes a person's life, even with that we love God. What does it mean to love God with all of our ma'od, all of our very much? So there are two explanations. One, that everybody knows. With all your money, all the resources we have, also that we give as a love to God. We're willing to give up whatever we have for God. What's another explanation? What does it mean with all, with all of you? With every single measure, those with all the measurements that we have, with every measure that God measures out to us, to us, thank Him very, very much. And for that, from that verse of loving God, we understand. But to God, even for bad things, with the same fervor, with the same, with the same, with the same, with the same uh, acceptance as we do to accept, it, to accept happily even difficult things. And listen to this: the Gemara says, So after the after the Gemara explains to us that we have to bless God even for difficult things, and we should only know we should only know good things. The Gemara says the following: It says, it says that. Similarly, we were taught, it was taught in the name of Rabbi Akiva. A person should always accustom themselves to say, this is what Rabbi Akiva said, everything that is done from the heaven is done for good. It's done for our benefit. 
Once upon a time, the Rikipu was traveling along the road. In those days, when a person left the city and went on the highway, it was always dangerous, and the person was always very careful to, very careful to try and get a lodging at night and not to be outside. The he was traveling along the road, and accompanying who was his company? He had he had a donkey, he had a rooster, and he had and he had a and he had a candle, he had a lamp. He came to a certain place. came even time, you know, he got to a certain place. He, he wanted to get lodging. Maybe somebody could take him in and give him lodging. But nobody gave him a place to stay. And what did he say? He said, "Called Everything that they do from the heaven is for our good. It's for our benefit." Also, he went out and he slept. He went and slept outside. What could he do? Also, but that wasn't bad enough. He going to sleep outside. Okay, look, at least he's got his donkey, he's got a lamp, he's a learn by, he's got a rooster, he's got an alarm clock. But no, that's not what happened. A, a lion came along and ate his donkey. After a cat came out and, it, and it ate, his, ate his rooster. After a wind came and it blew out his lamp. <laughs> the three things he has accompanying him, he loses them all. Amar, he said, everything that's done from the heaven, that's for good, it's for our benefit. What happened? In that particular night, a, 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 a band of marauders came and they, and they, and they, and they pillaged this town. Amarlahu, and afterwards he said, ha, he said, Hainu Damri says, that's what we say. Called up in Shemaya, everything that's done from the heaven is done for good. Why, he said, Rashi explains. After this terrible thing, everything went wrong for him. He said, you know, if the lamp was lit, he said, then the marauders would have seen me. He said, and had the, had the donkey been alive, and it had it been braying, or, or, had, the, or had, the, had the rooster been alive, and had it been calling out, then they would have seen me, and they also would have come, and they would have, and they would have attacked me. And he saw this thing, and we see that this is an explanation of what it means to love God. And what is that? That everything that comes about, rather than being a reason for dislike, a reason for dissatisfaction, is another reason to appreciate God. I've mentioned this many times. Take a look. I've seen this both by men and by women. But I admit, I've seen it more by women. I see it by fathers and by mothers. But I admit, I see it more by mothers. But here's the case. There she is holding on to her little baby. Who's not in love with your baby? <laughs> you like gobble them up. They're so cute. And she's there holding the baby and loving the baby. But then you see somehow like a gleam in her eye. She runs to the other room and she comes back with a little hat, with a little bow, with a little apron, with a little something. She puts it on the kid. Now, the kid, now that kid's adorable. Oh, she wants to gobble him up a lot. She can't hug him strong enough. She can't hug, hug little baby harder. What is it? The baby wasn't cute a minute ago. What's going on? You had to make the baby cuter? And the answer is yes, that's exactly what happens. When you really love, you know, you've got to make the one you love even cuter, even more beautiful, and even more wonderful. When a person's in love with God, what's happening? Everything they see, Rabbi Keep, everything he sees, he sees the loveliness and beauty of God. When you're in love with another person, what do you do? You see the beauty of that person in every situation, no matter what. And I know I'm not communicating yet, but I'm going to explain. We're so busy being passive. Look at the language that we use in our modern world about love. What do we do with love? We fall in love. We're blown away. We're smitten. We are passive. We don't understand what it means to love. Everything we're doing, waiting for something to come along and be just right for us. But you know, 
know what happens if you're waiting for something to please you all your life. You'll spend your whole life waiting, and you never get there because there's never enough. It's impossible. One time, I was invited in Los Angeles to a place called Rodeo Drive. Rodeo Drive is a street that have the most exclusive stores in the world. There's one store there that's so exclusive that it's always closed. It's the truth. I'm not exaggerating. It's always closed. You have to call up and give them your name and your bank account, and after they vet you, they decide if you're wealthy enough. But if you are, they open that store. I didn't get to go in that store, but I did get to visit a lot of the stores there. You know what? You think I'm going to make fun of it. I'm not. They were stores that had exquisitely beautiful things. If they had a shirt, it was the most exquisite shirt. If they, if they, if they had a, a chair or a table or, 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 or a curtain, everything was made so beautifully. And every place I went, when they showed me the craftsmanship, the artisan, the, 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 the artwork, everything was exquisite. But here's what happened, I noticed. Every place I went, when I saw and I was able to be educated enough to appreciate the beauty of that thing, once I, as I became capable of grasping what was beautiful about it, I said that I was able to see, you know, it could be a little bit better. The paint job could be a little better. The stitching could be a little bit better. The, the, the cut could be a little bit better. And there's no end. You'll see that's how it is with life. Every single thing around you can be a little bit better. If you get the most beautiful house, you look out, you look out the window, the scenery is beautiful. You say, oh, but you know, you know, if that mountain were just a little few miles to the, a few miles to the right, if it were just a few miles to the left, no matter how beautiful the thing is, you'll see what's because you appreciate it, you'll always see that it can be a little bit better. How will you ever get off the treadmill? You're going to wait around for somebody, for someone, for the people around us. The world's not going to please us because no matter what, because we're human beings and because we have a sense and because God, God made a sense of the people, we'll always want something more. There's always going to be something about another human being that's not for us, but there's a godly quality. When we have a quality of love, what takes place? And when we're Rebbe Kiva, you know why this story is brought? Because Rebbe Kiva was a great lover, one of the greatest ones in all of history. And every place he went, rather than waiting around for the world to please him, he was able to shine the light of love upon everything. And he was able to, he was able to see the beauty in everything, what takes place when a Jewish person loves, when the Torah teaches us to love. We're not waiting for the other person to please us. We're looking at that person in such a way that we find them pleasing. When we're in love, we're busy making the beloved, beloved to ourselves. That's what really happens when you love another person. Everybody, you know, this week, I, I spent so much time. For me, it's been a meditation. I'm so thankful. Seth, I thank you. Thank you so much for doing this together with me. Thank you to everybody for sharing this. But everybody comes up with the same question. Look, you know, what if you feel this way or that way? For crying out loud, take a look. Get a good look at what's around you. You want to wait to be pleased? Take a look and be active in this sense and look at the beauty of another human being. It's impossible not to see it. Everybody, there's beauty in every aspect of every single person around you. If you do get a good look, there's a poetry in everything. Even, you know, some people, some, you know, sometimes people get a voice that could just, just push you over the edge. You know, but if you step back for a minute, if you're not passive, if you're able to be a truly loving person and to look and to shine that light out from yourself, you'll see the beauty. And here's what happens. What a rewarding thing. Instead of walking around the world every day, waiting endlessly on an endless treadmill, if we have 200, we want 400. We have 400, we want 800. 800, we want 1,600. There's no end. We never want to let go. But when a person has this strength and the ability to love, they, the world is endlessly pleasing to them. It's the opposite of what you think. Endlessly. So what, what I want to say here, we have to be encouraged. This is a great mitzvah. We take a look at this, this time of Tisha B'Av. How much have we lost? How much do we lose throughout these generations? 
how much, so many terrible things. And Jews are wonderful people. We have to look at our fellow Jew. We have to look and see what's beautiful about them at every single moment. And we're able to come through to appreciate it. And we'll be overwhelmed. Not only will we be kind and good to other people, but we will have a life that's satisfying. Every time we see another person, there'll be something there to delight us, to please us. Our days will be full. And we will, we will, have, we will, we will, we will instead of living a life that's endlessly dissatisfied, we're going to have the privilege of being endlessly satisfied for now and for now and for all of our days. I just want to say this particular, this particular point, and I, I brought it out so many times, I hope in this week, if we're going to be busy taking care of each other, busy being there for each other, defending each other, covering for each other, doing the good and looking to see, we're going to fall in love with each other. We're going to fall in love with each other. We'll give the strength. Each of, us will eat, each of us will give and receive the encouragement that takes away the fear that stops us from being creative, stops us from being outstanding. Every one of us is going to be producing healthy. Can you imagine what, what, what is the gross national product of a healthy and loving people? It can't be calculated. It can't be calculated. And we can understand, well, how is it? Let's just look at it. Here we are a day before Tisha B'Av. What is it that could have been so terrible for God to send us into exile, for God to take away, to take, to take away the manifestation of the divine presence, for God to take away the holy temple, the, 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 the crown of the Jewish people, the crown of our existence on this earth? When God gives us a message and tells us that we don't, we don't appreciate one another, we don't see the beauty in one another, then we have to realize how critical that is. If this is the response, we have to see how critical, how critical this failing is on our part. On this, in these moments, in this 11th hour, we're in 11th hour approaching Tisha B'Av. Why? We don't want to sit on the floor again. This Tisha B'Av. We want this day. We want this to be a day of celebration, not a day of mourning for our temple. That's what it should be. So it should be a barbecue. We should all become everybody invited. A bar- Barbecue. We have to take this moment. We have to push ourselves with all of our strength. And we recognize God was kind enough to give us a message to love one another for our benefit, for our benefit, for all of our benefit. We take advantage now. We should be inspired. We'll do the right things. We'll give that, we'll give that love and the affirmation one to another. We'll give it. We'll receive it. And we can't help it. We'll be falling over each other, falling in love with each other, each of us pouring out the goodness. We'll see a society where, where the goodness is invested and reinvested so many times, we won't be able to calculate the accrued benefit. And please, God, the most important thing of all, as the Chafet tells us, then the, the, the flaw of having hated one another will be fixed because we're busy doing the midst of loving each other. And in our days, we'll see the rebuilding of our temple and we'll all be here together. And you shall learn. Mission bless all of us. Thank you, Rabbi Green. Thank you for this evening and thank you for the prior four classes. We will begin again in Chodesh Elul, getting ready for Rosh Hashanah in the new year in on the date of August 20th, that's Thursday, and the subsequent three Thursdays. So starting Thursday, August 20th at 10 p.m., same bat time, same bat conference number, and we will be covering Inyanim like Mechila, other subsets of Avas Israel pertinent to Tshuva and to Chodesh Elo. Thank you so much, and I remind everybody that there is a dedication opportunity if you'd like to dedicate a class in the zechus of a loved one, please be in touch by email. Thank you, and good night.